This month's podcasts are sponsored by Aubergine Legal. Do you sometimes worry that your business isn't meeting all its legal compliance requirements and wonder if you're ticking all the legal boxes? Are you losing sleep worrying about a piece of legislation that you may or may not be complying with? Perhaps you need some help with your client contracts or your data protection compliance. Or maybe you're worried that your website doesn't have the right documents or legal notices in the right place. Perhaps you have a brand that you want to protect with a trademark. How about if you could outsource it all and eliminate all of your worries? If so, then get in touch with Aubergine Legal, a friendly commercial legal consultancy offering practical and clear commercial legal advice without the overwhelming legal jargon, taking the worry away and helping you to protect your business and minimise your risks. Aubergine offers a free 30-minute consultation if you have any questions or want to find out if they can help. And you can access this link and book your free 30-minute call via the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Bring Your Product Ideas to Life podcast. Practical advice and inspiration to help you create and sell your own physical products. Here's your host, Vicky Weinberg. Hi, so today I have a really interesting conversation for you with Louise Ormond from Amelia Ann. So Louise hasn't actually launched her products yet and I thought it was a really good opportunity to speak to someone who is still in the midst of creating and getting ready for launch. I thought it was a really good opportunity to talk to somebody who's right at the beginning, like literally, you know, right at the very start of it. Um, I'm also hoping that Louise's story will really inspire you if you have your own idea of a product you want to create and perhaps it's been on the back burner for a while, perhaps it's taken longer than you thought it would or perhaps you haven't even got started. Um, Louise is really honest about the fact that you know, it's taken her a long time to get to the point she is now. Um, although, you know, I'm a fan of research and I have to say I love the amount of research she did. She's going to talk to you all about what she's done so far. Louise creates breastfeeding wear to provide mothers-to-be this confidence to be able to feed in any situation at all. Um, so her products are really innovative. They're new. She's designed them herself. and um, She's going to talk to you about the design process and everything that went into that, all the research she did. And um, hopefully not long after this episode goes live, her products will be available um, to buy as well, which is super exciting. I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation with Louise and I am so excited to introduce you all to her. So hi Louise, thank you so much for being here. Thank you Vicky, very happy to be here today. I'm really excited to talk to you. So if you could please start by giving us an introduction to you, to your business and in the products that you're just in the process of launching. Okay, um, so my brand name is Amelia Ann, and it's taken from my daughter, and um, I'm a full-time teacher currently at the moment, um, teaching design technology with a uh, fashion industry background. And when I had my first child, Amelia, um, I was all fingers and thumbs and didn't know what to expect. of my breastfeeding journey, actually more of that. Um, And that's what inspired my brand idea, which was to come up with um, clothing that one, I didn't feel like I was um, all in a tears of like how to feed. Um, And obviously being around my family, I don't live locally to my family. I'm kind of the one that got away (laughs) and came to London. And um, so when they came to visit me, um, I would literally sit on the sofa in a, just a loose dressing gown and just feed <laughs> um, Amelia on demand. And uh, I think it made a few of my family members a bit bashful around that um, 
being the youngest daughter as well and um, the second to have a baby within the family. And I just wanted something that I, I like getting out about and going on for walks. So I really wanted to be comfortable and I found I wasn't comfortable and people would stare and and then um, make comments uh, about covering up and things like that. And I wasn't fully exposed so by any means. I would never just you know walk around bare-breasted in public, but it was just the moments I was caught out, like my daughter as well, being a new mum, she used to really scream <laughs> um, when she was hungry and it's so loud. And I think being a new mum, I was just like, oh my goodness. And I felt like I can't walk the 15 minutes to get home and, and have her wait. Like I just had to respond there and then, and that would be in the middle of the park or wherever I was. And so, um, yeah, I really wanted to create something that I was comfortable in. I found a lot of um, clothes that I had uh, were maternity, um, so they were dual maternity nursing, but I also lost um, weight really quickly after having Amelia, and um, so nothing actually fitted me, and I'm quite a petite frame as it is, and so everything just swamped me, and I just felt um, when I was feeding her in my dual nursing maternity wear, you kind of had to lift up the, the flap. Um, and I found like her face was completely covered with all the material <laughs> so I couldn't see her and I, I really struggled with getting that um, perfect latch and um, became very sore um, and really kind of struggled through that and would persevere with a bad latch and because out of fear of not getting it right again second time and and having this screaming baby and and just this kind of sense of panic I suppose and so um, I really wanted to get over that hurdle and have something more comfortable. And I was toying with ideas and using my fashion background. And then um, I had my second child um, literally 17 months later. <laughs> um, so they're quite close in age group. Um, and it was from there that I was able to start um, pattern cutting and producing ideas. So yeah, it, it came from the need of having something that fitted my body type um, and um, being in a situation where I felt more comfortable and confident, but also that I can just tend to my children's needs. And, and I wanted to carry on the breastfeeding journey um, and, yeah, and just really nurture them the best way um, possible. Um, so, yeah, so it was just kind of, it, it kind of was born from there and then just thinking about ideas and how to go about that. Um, so I spent a lot of evenings just sketching um, and obviously always when I was on maternity leave, I was able to kind of collaborate with some friends and, and talk to people about it. And I kind of got, um, I used to take them to baby sensory classes and things like that and speak to other mothers and, and find out like their, their um, stories and how they find things and just found that there was a real um, strength in that people wanted um, better options. Um, they didn't want to wear the horizontal stripes anymore that all the maternity clothes seems to be um, have, uh, and they want they were looking for something different uh, that was more flattering. And people had different ideas um, or were different lots of different experiences as well around um, breastfeeding in public. And some very positive, it was not all negative, um, which was great. And there's there's much more positivity around breastfeeding in public now and a lot more awareness to it. Um, so yeah, I really wanted to cater for that kind of time. And I wanted to feed my children for as long as I possibly could and, and read a lot of research into the benefits of that. And so 
for me to be able to do that. My maternity clothes were not going to suffice me another season or a year down the line or even two years later because I knew my, my, um, my body type had changed so much as well. So yeah, it was really come from like, well, what, what is it that I personally need? And then from that and talking to other people, um, I realized that actually it's just a bigger um, kind of market. Um, and I've always loved the idea of eventually having my own business and being able to change the time, although working in education is great. Um, it's not the nine, nine to three that people think it is. And so I wanted to really you know, I would love to be able to do the school drop-offs for my own children, um, but I can't at the current moment um, because of my my job. Um, I, I need to be in school before the children arrive. So um, I'd love to kind of be around for my children more around their schooling, but also have that creative outlet that I love so much um, as part of my job, but kind of continue it into my own business. Yeah, thank That's you for all started. of that. Well, thank you. Thank you. That's, thank you for all of that, Louise. And how old are your girls now, if you don't mind me asking? Yes, okay. Um, so Amelia is now five and Sam has just turned four. So it's been a real slow burner <laughs> um, in trying to get something off the ground. Um, part of that's just due to my own time commitments around um, having a you know, full-on family um, and full-time job and trying to do this around that. Of course. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, I think a full-time job or and having children, they're both kind of full-time things yeah. as it is. And then trying to do like something else on top. Yeah. You know, do not give yourself a hard time at all for how long it's taken. Cause I think that um, things do take time. And of course it, it's never going to, at the moment, it can't be the, you know, the priority because you have so many other priorities. Um, and I can really resonate with so much of what you said as well. Cause I had very similar experiences with feeding clothes Um because I too was quite small and uh, but my maternity clothes one didn't really fit me after having my children but also I just was sick of wearing them I felt like you know I didn't want to spend a lot of money when I was pregnant so I, I had the, these maternity clothes that I felt like I wore the same things over and over and over yeah. and um after having them you know I was so ready but you know my old wardrobe wasn't quite right it's you know for things like feeding but then I didn't want to be buying clothes for feeding so I can definitely resonate and I mean luckily my feeding journey was you know I never had comments about feeding in public or anything like that and I think it's really it's so unfortunate that you did and I think as you say though I think hopefully that is getting better for people but regardless of what other people think you need to feel comfortable don't you that's the main thing so if you know you even if you're somewhere where you feel you know and, and people aren't looking at you you still need to feel that you know what I'm trying to say even if you're feeling in your own home you need to feel comfortable and whether that's comfortable with your body or comfortable you know because you you haven't got your top lifted up and your back's getting cold or whatever it is absolutely yeah Uh, and my dad's lovely bless him and he was very supportive but I could see he would blush (laughs) Uh, um, you know and that's sitting in my own front room um but it's just you know you can't just keep going hiding off in your own house into a, a bedroom to go and feed your child. I just felt like I, I want to be part of this family and be together and not miss out on a conversation or a topic. Um, to just you know spending those forty minutes and you know, every however often um, throughout the day, I just felt like I, I you know I, I wanted to be able to be in the moment and enjoy that uh, with with both my children and absolutely yeah I, the. the the feedback I get now when I speak to breastfeeding mums particularly is it, there's much more awareness and campaigning towards it 
um, and there are a lot more brands out there available um, and at first that used to give me the fear of death and, and kind of give me the heart palpitations when I'm, I'm at work and someone would send me a link of oh this has just come out and I'd be like oh no <laughs> but then they're all, they've got all something different to offer and and what I'm hoping mine my range um, will offer is also the you can wear them even if you're not breastfeeding so I'm hoping that you know that even if you finished your journey that people will still use them and, and still enjoy wearing them I won't have that kind of feeling that about the maternity clothes that like you just want them gone <laughs> you don't want them in your yeah. hands and I think it doesn't really matter how many maternity brands you know there are because if you think about clothing brands in general and how many there are it's not like everyone shops in next or whatever you know people shop in a whole spectrum of shops like one individual probably shops in lots of different shops and then when you think of all the what I'm trying to say is that yeah. there were going to be clothes your clothes are going to suit some people and not others and I think Absolutely. that you know you probably I think that sort of thing you probably can't have too many because people like options especially when it comes to clothes because everyone's personal style is different and their body's different what they're looking for is different yeah. so yeah I definitely agree that's nothing to worry about no, and um, I've had to learn um which is good and I, I feel much more settled with that now <laughs> Yeah, I think as long as you know what your clothes, who your clothes are for and what they're about and what your USP is, I think that's all you need. And then the right customers, you know, will come will come yeah. to you. Um, so, yeah. And then so I'd love to talk a bit more about what you've done. But before, before we do, I have to just say when you were talking about sort of hiding away when feeding, I suddenly have flashbacks with my first child. That's exactly what I did. I felt so uncomfortable that we'd have guests around to see the baby and they wouldn't see me or the baby because we'd be upstairs feeding for an hour <laughs> and um yeah I didn't do that with my second child with my first I did so I can definitely resonate that I don't even know why in hindsight it's not even that long ago but it seems like a long time ago and I'm I'm not sure why I did that but clearly you know something wasn't working because yeah. I definitely didn't feel comfortable even on my own sofa if anyone other than my husband happened to be in the house um, um it, it's such a hard one to get your head round, isn't it as well um but there'd be moments when I think I did I think we had lots of family and they were ex- different uh, it was my more my um other side of my family and I think I just took myself off I, th- I fell asleep <laughs> and so that was it I was gone for the rest of the afternoon and missed missed seeing everybody because we we just fell asleep lying on the bed breastfeed <laughs> um and of course my husband was too he just didn't wake us he didn't didn't dare wake us so <laughs> oh. that was it but um yeah it's really hard I think but um I think it's important as well that that people are aware of that and and that behaviors can change yeah and I think it's great that you're still talking to so many breastfeeding mums now as well to kind of find out who, how people are feeling and what they're looking for because I think that really will help you com- have products that people really truly want and need yes. um so I think it's fantastic that not only were you doing that four or five years ago but you're still doing that now yes yeah and I have a very close um NCT group that I joined with my first uh, born and um, we're all still very close and we've all gone through our second rounds of having babies at different times as well so I do check in with them a lot and get their opinions and and how they are doing and and quite a few of them have moved as well outside of London so it's time to see you know did they get a different response to where they're living now and so forth it's, it's really important to me I think it's important for the growth of the brand as well absolutely and so so where are you um now with things right so um I have currently just finished making about um 30 camisole tops I've just got one style but they're in two different fabrics um so um initially the plan was to launch 
early summer. Um, but then uh, my very small uh, manufacturer unit got um, unfortunately got hit with COVID. So it literally was a knock on effect on every seamstress that was there. So they just closed for the, almost the entire summer. So then the, 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 the dream of launching um, a summer piece uh, did not happen. Um, and then I was hoping then I would launch more kind of end of August, early September when they opened up. But um, the start of my school term has just been, it's been very heavy uh, and busy um, with the changes of how, how we operate um, with the lifting of rules around um, COVID as well. So uh, it's kind of put me a little bit on the back foot. So, um, the camisoles are obviously an excellent layering piece. So whether I will launch, I will probably be launching more likely in the new year now. Um, but I do have a few back orders for the pieces I've created. So I will, will fulfill those. But in terms of like promotion, I probably won't be putting myself too much out there this time of the year. I just because I, don't, I just don't think I'll be able to realistically keep up with any kind of um, comments. And I wouldn't want to let anyone down either. So um, I, I'm getting working I think towards more of a new year launch and I've also got two other designs which I know work and, and fit um, they just need making so I will probably put those into production so then I can launch a three-piece kind of collection in the new year but I have some made up already which is good <laughs> that is good and I think that's a good point about the timing as well because we are getting to that point of year where really really soon it's all going to be about Christmas and gifting and and I'm not that's not to say that your products aren't suitable for gifting because I'm you know they are but then I guess as a teacher as well you're coming up to the end of term and yeah it sounds like putting things back until I know there's probably never a quiet time for teachers but um, I think think not launching at the busiest time of the year when everyone's focus is on other things does sound really sensible and there's no point putting yourself under unnecessary pressure particularly as your products aren't seasonal I mean I know they're clothing and I know people think of camisoles maybe for summer but like you say plenty of people wear them for layering anyway so I think you're totally right not to Put a, you know not to set an imagined deadline in your head when you have to have them out because actually it really it really doesn't matter they're going to sell year round aren't they they are yes and I'd rather get it right as well like I have been struggling with the website build um just trying to get the the testing of it to run smoothly and so I, I, I wouldn't want to launch something that was not working or functional or people found got frustrated over because because predominantly it's going to be mothers that will order and and you know if they're managing children and and are breastfeeding or or, or the babies then they, I don't want to give them a, um, a headache or um, frustration over trying to just order something that's meant to make their lives easier so <laughs> so it's making sure that that's fully working absolutely yeah. although what I will say on the other side of that is make sure it's working but don't wait for everything to be perfect because yeah because <laughs> that is that is something I see sometimes that people say oh well, I'm going to wait until everything's absolutely perfect and to be really honest but everything probably won't be really perfect um because things just aren't are they so don't let that hold you back I, I think that, once it's... No, that's very good advice thank you <laughs> so let's go backwards a little bit if you don't mind Louise and talk about the steps you took from coming up with your initial idea to having some garments already made and some others ready to go into production so what are the things that you that you did yeah, so um, initially I did a lot of the work myself. So I kind of um, got some fabric. I did lots of sketching and drawing and after speaking to lots of women and running some small focus groups with um, 
new emerging mums and using my baby classes and things like that to talk to people. Um, and then from that, I, I was drawing up ideas. I shared some of the actual sketches with people that I was speaking to to get, get feedback on as well. Uh, and the type of mechanism, because there's a lot of zips, there's a lot of like still lift up kind of flaps. And I, I didn't want to do any of those. So I wanted to kind of engineer something a little bit more um, in keeping with the seam lines and actually the contours of your body. So you didn't feel like you had to lift and expose. I just wanted something that just naturally kind of made it easy. So I worked on the mechanism quite a lot. And then I uh, initially pattern cutted and made some samples myself. Um, I have that background, so that helps me because I teach design technology, I know how to sew as well and <laughs> use all, all the different materials. So um, that, that bit made it easier for me in terms of um, some of the material selections and, and sourcing. And then obviously just being a, a, a new mum and then returning back to work, it, it got harder for me to kind of just navigate these ideas. Um, so then I found, I went to a few trade events, local trade events um, that were kind of um, showcasing kind of pattern cutters and manufacturers and fabric sourcing. And so I went to those and found um, a local pattern cutter, a small team that dealt with pattern cutting and uh, kind of your pre-production samples and small run production. And from there, I was able to take my samples along and kind of discuss the ideas and, and further develop it, uh, which was great actually, because they did a lot more with it than I think I could have done, or a lot quicker anyway than I, for me. So yeah, so I had um, a lovely pattern cutter who um, created the final draft really based on what I'd already started. Uh, and there was quite a funny moment where um, my, my seam line is basically, it's like called a princess seam, which goes from the mid shoulder down, but I've curved it. Um, so it's kind of a line in line with your, your bust and foams out to the side. So you can feed one handed and it's literally with the flick of the thumb, you can basically access um, the nipple to feed and you don't, expose the whole breast like you don't have to completely take take anything out you can literally just expose enough to, to latch um, and then the, you don't have lots of folded fabric over the baby's face you can see exactly what your baby and how they're feeding so the first um, time I tried it um, it didn't quite work there was still too much fabric and then we tried it with the pattern cutter and I don't know if you have ever um, been around horses or particularly race horses and they put the blinkers on the sides of their eyes so they can't see to the side of them <laughs> and it was so I put this top on and these bits of material like flashed out like blinkers <laughs> and I was like oh that's not quite the look we were going for and it was just quite a funny moment of all the trial and errors um, when you put it on you think that yeah that didn't work <laughs> um, so it was quite funny all the different kind of um, experiments um, so we got once we found the, the perfect fit it was then really easy to apply that to all the other ideas I had um, so I've got um, a three-quarter length sleeve top the camisole we've mentioned and a dress the mechanism is the same throughout um, and it um, with the dress I've worked all with like a, a four-way stretch jersey so but quite flattering jersey so I've tried to find fabrics that also have a slight dappling or a marl to them or a rib. So then if you get a breast milk stain on it, it doesn't show. Um, they also feel a little bit more luxurious than just a flat, like a cotton t-shirt would. Like it, there's, the, there's a texture within the material. So um, 
did a lot of research in fabric sourcing and that was actually one of the biggest hurdles for me to get over in light with um, COVID-19 because so many suppliers closed their factories, the, the, the mills that I went to visit all of a sudden changed their MOQs so from a, a new startup where they were said I could buy um, either the ends of their rolls or they would give me they wouldn't add on a couple of hundred meters say to a, an existing order that they had they no longer were doing so I had to buy like the entire roll which and they produced them in 500 meter rolls so the the price points just went from manageable to just unreachable so it was very so it although I had a fantastic design we'd sampled them they fitted well I tried I sent them out to a lot of um, friends that I knew were either had um, babies or, or newborns or even like a year old and I knew they were still feeding I'd, I'd give them my samples like can you just wear it wash it wear it wash it and keep it for a couple of weeks and then just give me your feedback and from that I was made I, able to make alterations um, to the design and um, and obviously that helped me choose the right fabrics as well to what washed really well uh, and, dry, and dry and also um, any staining and things like that um, so yeah, but the fabrics was my real nemesis um, because I just for a very long time just couldn't get any. Um, or if I find some, it'll be just 10 meters and it, well, 10 meters doesn't go very far. And obviously if you want to repeat that fabric, you, there's no guarantee you can repeat it. So yeah, that, that's been the biggest hurdle is trying to find the right fabric and enough of it. But also if I didn't find enough of it, what could I, what could I replace it with, and is that going to be available, or is it going to be as close to, or is it is it going to be that I can just create a business of really lovely remnant fabrics, but that it just means that once they're sold, they're gone, and it's you're onto the new kind of fabric. So yeah, that that's something I'm still having to work out a little bit as well. Oh, thank you for explaining all of that, and yet that sounds really really challenging, and yeah, I guess. Like you say, you could go it from either angles sort of go for the short runs and the limited edition, let's call it, yeah. fabrics <laughs> or something that, you know, you can keep replicating that. Yeah, that has to be really tough. And then once you have the fabric, do you, so the pattern cutters you mentioned, are they the people that actually, because you have to excuse me, Louise, I know very little about textiles. Are they the people that then actually make the finished garments or does somebody else do that? No, so um, it's all based on price points so I ha had to kind of look after the pennies of it really because initially I'm just um, funding this myself um, until it, it turns into something that yeah, starts going to public um, and um, so yeah so the um, pattern cutter can do your pre-production sample so if I then wanted to send that on to a, man a bigger manufacturer then I would have that with a kind of a tech pack which kind of explains all the the mechanics the workings and the lay plan if they were to cut multiple of them and, and to scale them up to size I used a different company to grade that single pattern so that the the top could be then available from size 8 to 16 so they grade the kind of paper pattern for you and then it's all cut out on their their machines in this lovely card so you have that and then you would send that to your kind of um machinist to then so um, I've chosen a local um, manufacturer who deal with small run production and they work 
they're lovely and they're actually really local to where I live and they've been fantastic but because they're small um, it means you get the knock-on effects that if they, they suffer with illness or anything like that then it is backlogged but they work with them um, new designers for kind of London Fashion Weeks and things like that so they're really highly skilled um, so yeah they I've used them because they are local to me and it means I can get there in time after work rather than having to travel across the other side of London or, or to a different county. Um, so it's made that simpler for me. I think in the long run, I will probably have to outsource and go a bit further afield or go to a bigger manufacturer so that they could perhaps um, manufacture on demand. So once I get close to kind of needing to restock that they would be able to just continue the make because at the moment if I continued working the way I was there would probably be a long delay between each um, batch of production um, so for, for me at this point it works nicely um, and they're all priced per piece so it can be expensive to initially start but once you get um, over like the 50 mark the prices do decrease by quite a bit but yeah it's a lot to put in initially yeah you're not sure I think it definitely makes sense though starting somewhere small and local um because that can be a really hard thing first of all that when you're dealing with bigger manufacturers they might want you towards a hundreds or in some cases even thousands and that's really scary and often just not feasible no. it's nice that you've helped the local relationship as well so you can actually pop in there and see people and see yeah. progress yeah, and what I actually, and it wasn't necessarily an intention, but what I quite like is everybody that's been involved that I have outsourced, it's all women. <laughs> so I quite like that, that it's all women um, involved in my production of, of what we're doing. And and at the end goal is, is to support women in, in their new journey. So it feels quite nice to have made these connections with with all the people that I've worked with and all been very accommodating and, um, and very lovely about what I'm producing. Um, it's given me a real confidence boost that you know I'm still producing something of need as well yeah thank you and I we've, we've covered them to sort of skim over this um, I do want to actually say I'm so impressed by the amount of research you've been doing when you were talking about how you've been first of all talking to people but then sending people actual products and getting them to wear them and what I mean this is all the sort of thing I recommend people do and I just I'm blown away by the amount that you've done I think that's fantastic and um, I do think that your products will reflect the amount you've put in because I think putting all that working up front makes a huge huge difference because you know what people like and don't like and how they need to work on people's bodies and yeah I just think that's fantastic so I just wanted to recognize that because I didn't want to just Go, you know bypass it because it's really impressive thank you thank you I think I've been fortunate in a sense I think with all the setbacks it's given me the time also to really reflect on what it was that I was trying to do as well um I'm just fortunate as well that lots of people having babies quite close <laughs> yeah. to me as well that I could use them but um no it has really helped um even just to, to the the issue of um and because I'm petite and I made everything on me initially and I was the kind of like the fit model when I used to go and see my pattern cutter and used to take my you know it was my my son at the time my youngest and it was good because I could sit there and feed and see if it actually worked whilst I was actually having a fitting um which was great but to the point where because I'm petite um I try to keep it as standard um size as possible rather than fitting to me because I know I am quite narrow in the shoulder and things um, but then when I did start putting the, the camisole on different people, I realised that actually the strap position was still a little bit too inwards on broader 
um, you know, people say like my sister-in-law had a baby and, and she's not broad, like she's not overly broad. She's still, um, you know, got a good physique. She does lots of yoga and stuff, but it still felt like the neckline was still too narrow for her. So, um, so then I kind of tried it on a few other people as well. Um, and, and had made the decision to move the, the strap out a bit. So then the neckline became a bit wider. Um, but even when I then put it back on, it, it fits fine. Like it doesn't, it doesn't alter it too drastically for me that actually it fits better. So yeah, by, having, by doing that has made, made sure that those things are, are right. I think that's brilliant. And thank you for explaining about the grazing as well, because I, another question I had was how do you get it to work on sort of different, on different size bodies? So I think that thank you for, for explaining that as well, because as you say, when you, you're making your patterns originally, you have to probably stick to one size of the person who's trialing it. So yeah, it's really interesting to know how you size up and down as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm um, quite big chested as well. I'm generally a double D cut. So, um, I don't know a lot of when you're pregnant as well and feeding you initially go quite uh, can go to quite a big cup um so that is something that I still may have to adjust later on for the to, to know that the curve shape in my seam line is right so that the position when you're wearing it is more on the outer side of your breast rather than on the inner side so I think I would probably still need to I'll probably end up getting some feedback on that at some point, but then that's something I can adjust within the design quite easily and react to. So um, it will be interesting once it starts going to a broader uh, range of sizes to get that feedback. Yeah, and I think it's really good to know that as well. And um, as we were saying about before, to sort of not to wait until that's absolutely right, but to say, okay, this is good enough, and knowing that you can make changes as you go along for your next batch and the following yeah. batch. And that's actually exciting, isn't it? That you can constantly be tweaking and improving. Yes, yeah, because you can add things to the design or you can change it slightly. And yeah, it's, it's nice. It gives it flexibility and, and gives you more design options moving forward as well. So you're not too far off launch now, really, because we're recording this at the beginning of November. So what's um so what's sort of next on your list of things to tackle? Um, well, I think because um, initially I had a different type of fabric. Well, it's not too different, but a different style of fabric I, that I initially did my first photo shoot with. So I think um, what I need to do is do a new photo shoot with the new fabrics, um, just so they're showcased correctly. Um, for the website I still need to complete my website um, and I initially have I've gone with wicks because I, I used to actually make um, leather handbags um, a long time ago and I've used wicks in the past so I thought I went with what I knew <laughs> um, but actually I, I've never done an e-commerce website before so that, that I'm still learning the how to get that all completely functioning so yeah I need to work on that um, and I think get some more photography done. And now um, I know that hopefully I'll be launching a three-piece collection. It's just making the, um, the dress and the top maybe in a few other colorways of what I will be having have available so, so I can show them off uh, to their best as well. Oh, that's really exciting. And I've seen you on Instagram as well. And I'll link to your Instagram in the show notes. Everyone can go over and take yeah. a look. Yes, thank you. I mean, that that's also another... Um, <laughs> something I've had to learn uh, I mean I don't class myself as that old really but <laughs> I didn't grow up with uh, Instagram um, I think you know learning Facebook and things like that when I was younger and I love Pinterest 
uh, things like that. Um, but yeah, Instagram is something I've had to learn. I, that does change quite often the algorithms and how that functions. So I'm having to try and to keep up with that um, has been quite the challenge. Um, but yeah, I do enjoy it. And it's quite a nice platform for me because I can showcase my family as well. And it's quite a nice, it's nice to look back on my Instagram account from its first kind of post because you can see the journey and actually how far things have come along. Because sometimes yeah. I sit, sit here and, you know, give myself the guilt that I've, it's, it's, you know, it's still sitting, you know, in a box and it's, it's not out in public. And I have to remind myself that a lot of work has already gone into this and um, it will be great. And um, I'm hoping that lots of people will enjoy it. And I've enjoyed the journey, um, even though it's been quite hard at times. But yeah, the Instagram's quite nice because it's got the visuals and there are some images of the top already on there but the and the fabrics ever so slightly different than what's on the, on the instagram at the moment but uh, there's not it's not too big a difference yeah and i think it's really nice as you're coming back to the journey as well but to document that so for you as you say but also for everyone who's following along and is you know waiting for your products to be available to buy because i'm sure there are people who are eagerly you know thinking when can i buy them have you started having any inquiries um, I haven't had anyone to say um, to buy, but a lot of the followers I have are, are young mums or expecting mums, which is quite nice. Um, that yeah, and it's a very small following at the moment. It's very humble, <laughs> very humble beginnings. Um, but uh, it's nice to know that there are people that have looked um, and engaged with what I'm posting or related to what I have said, uh, which is really nice. Um, but yeah, I'm, I know uh, my, my sister-in-law is a real advocate for my brand. She loves it. She, she's, she wears everything I've sent her uh, daily um, and has had compliments on, on what she has. And when she's put a post on, um, she's had lots of comments about it. So um, there is lots of positivity around it. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure there is. And of course, you know, everyone starts out with a really small following as well. Um, <laughs> Because you had that's where we, you know, we all we all start with nobody following us, so that's completely normal. But I think it is is amazing that the people that are following you now, they are seeing the journey you're going through, and um, yeah, I think there'll be some real excitement when your products are available. Yes, yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> so, um, just a few final questions before we wrap up, if that's okay, Louise. Um, so are there any other sort of challenges that you faced in the past, you know, in the past few months or years or anything that in particular you think, you know, if you were doing this again, you'd want to be aware of? Um, it's, it's probably the nitty gritty stuff that you don't think about. I mean, the designing and the trying on and working out your ideas is, is the fun part. Um, sometimes it can be a bit hard, but it is the fun part. So it's it's the admin side that I've had to learn. Um, so I could, forming the company with company's house and then keeping up, even though it's not a functioning company, remembering to do things like the, the tax returns and kind of form the formal um, elements. And you, the language around that is, is very hard. It's, it's not something I would have come across necessarily before. So I had to do a lot of make uh, you know, formal checks um, because I haven't launched I haven't got an accountant so it's just I was doing everything myself and just remembering um, to pencil those in my calendar um, and how to fill in those forms because um, not initially easy um, and it's like like I said the language um, is very different to any kind of business or, or schemes of work that I've written for school and things like that it's very very different so that they were they took me longer than expected um, and I'm sure um 
there's lots of things that I will need to kind of learn in terms of like stock leveling and how you monitor that and, and the sales and things like that. So yeah, it's the nitty gritty bits that the back that you don't hear of or see at the forefront of a business, which are the harder parts and that do take quite a lot of time. So organization um, is key, I think for when I, yeah, it's definitely key for something I need to think about and be on top of. And you're right, there's always like so much to learn and much of it you don't even know that you need to learn because you just don't know what you don't know. So yeah, but that's that's great advice. Thank you. And I think that's really comforting for people to know who are listening and possibly in exactly the same boat of just not realising all of the additional things you need to do other than getting your product ready. Because as you say, that is the exciting bit. Yes, but then one one thing to mention when I have um, when I've used companies' house and, and needed to do things like a tax return or, or kind of um, audit, because you also have to kind of uh, I forget what the word what they call it, but you have to audit it and make sure that you your accounts are in the right place and that you are actually still running under the name. And so you have to file lots of um, things, and, and you have to just budget that in because initially I didn't expect to have to pay a fee to just say yes, I'm still here, I'm still running. Um, and but actually they're very helpful um, with their support so I literally just would, would respond to her the message go I'm not really sure how I go here this is what I, I know I need to, to have in place um, is this the right thing and and most of the time they have responded pretty quickly and then have forwarded me to the right person um, and then offered support so for, for example my tax return I needed to make it dormant because I'm not selling yet or, or making any money so I, um, they were very good and, and down with that. Yes, I had to pay for it, but it just took the pressure off me having to fill in forms that I didn't necessarily understand. And they did it in within 24 hours and it, it was very comforting. And although, you know, it was a cost that I wasn't expecting, it, it was a worthwhile cost because I, I was pretty certain I would have filled in something wrong <laughs> and then would have probably had to pay for something again later on. So um, I think just use using the advice and, and just not be shy to ask a silly question um, has helped me uh, because it's, it's, it's got me a bit further in and unmuddled. I think that's great advice. I think asking for help is always good. And that's really interesting to know that about Companies House as well, because I think I completely see there's definitely a fear of if I get this wrong, will I get a fine? Will I go to prison? You know, am yeah. I being compliant? There's a lot of worry. There. So it's good to know that they're really helpful. I haven't actually had to deal with them, you know, my, as it, in that sense. So I think that must be really reassuring to know that you can just send a message or presumably phone someone and, yeah. and get the help that you need. Yeah. So I think that'd be so useful to know. Yes, because the language is very formal and it's not necessarily language you would, read you know you're if you work and have a contract your contracts are written in such a way but but I think with the company's house and when you register with the company it's, it's completely different terminology um so yeah it, it's helpful just to seek that advice oh thank you that is really good to know and so the final question Louise which is one that I ask absolutely everyone and you, you might be a bit stumped on this because you've shared so much already is uh, what would your number one piece of advice be for other people looking to create and launch a product um I think just have a have a really good plan like understand your customer understand what it is you're trying to achieve because it can be very you can get a bit design fixated I think and, and I've seen a lot of other people do it and you actually see my students do it but you know you have this great idea and you, you just you're a bit blinkered and actually knowing 
how it's going to work is there growth in it can it can the idea be adjusted um can you add pieces to it uh, so yeah i think for me it was just i had to really make sure i understood what it was that i was trying to achieve i had an idea but if i'm going to make it a business what what do i really need to know and how, what would make it successful so it's kind of almost forgetting your idea in a way um so to know that you're actually willing to change your ideas to suit what is needed um so avoid design fixation that's brilliant feedback thank you and as you I said earlier you've done that so so well with getting the amount of feedback that you've got from people because it can be really tempting to think that you've got all the answers and that you know exactly what your product should look like or be or do it's it's so easy to to get to think like that and go down that rabbit hole particularly if it's a product um that you yourself need so I think it's really great that you didn't go down that route because I mean this was something that you needed at the time the whole idea came from a need that you had personally so I think it's really good that you were able to keep that wider perspective and realize that it wasn't just something for you it was something that you're going to be selling to lots of other people so I think it's brilliant that you did that and that's fantastic advice thank you well thank you so much for all that you've shared today I really love talking to you and I think um yeah it's been so interesting best of luck when you launch do tell thank me you. when you launch so that we I can, will yeah I can share it all, all out again because um yeah I think everyone will be really excited to see your products thank you it's been nice to speak out aloud it kind of reaffirms <laughs> the journey as well and that that kind of strive to I really yeah being excited about it yeah oh thank you <laughs> so thanks very much Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end of this episode. If you enjoyed it, please do leave me a review. That really helps other people to find this podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and do tell your friends about it too if you think that they also might enjoy it. You can find me at vickyweinberg.com. There you'll find link to all of my social channels. You'll find lots more information, all of the past podcast episodes and lots of free resources too. So again, that's vickyweinberg.com. Take care, have a good week and see you next time. If you've been inspired to start a podcast in 2024, I really recommend my podcast host, Captivate. Captivate were my top pick when I started podcasting four years ago because of how easy it was for a complete novice like me to get started. I've stuck with them for the last four years because Captivate is still really simple to use. They keep adding great new features like the ability to share ads like these and they've just been really reliable. So when you're ready to start your own podcast, you can use the link in the show notes and get a free seven-day trial with Captivate.